Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I am so excited to have as my guest, Ben Baker. Ben, welcome to my show. Meredith, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Well, so have I, Ben, and I want to give a shout out to Terry Nichols because our good friend who introduced us, he's just a fabulous connector. And um, But before we get into the discussion I'd like to have with you today, let me give my audience um, more information about you and your background. Ben Baker is the president of Your Brand Marketing, Mm -hmm. an employee engagement consulting firm. For nearly 25 years, he's been helping companies and the people within them understand and communicate their unique value to others. So what Ben does is he helps businesses tell engaging stories that compel their customers to take action. So the company stops being seen as a commodity and instead becomes a brand worth loving. Ben is also the host of iHeart and Spotify syndicated show called YourLivingBrand.Live, and he now has more than 150 episodes behind him. He's also the author of two books, Powerful Personal Brands, and his latest one, Leading Beyond a Crisis. And I've Got questions for Ben about both books, and I know you're just going to really enjoy our conversation because he is a wealth of knowledge and experience. So, Ben, let's get started. Perfect. You know, I I keep listening as as people read off you know the bio on me, and it, it keeps getting longer and longer. I, I I always I always feel like I'm like I'm really not that important. You know. <laughs> Well, but you are. I love the work that you're doing with companies, and I'm really looking forward to having you share some important insights that I gained from your books with my listeners. Before we get into the books, though, I want you to tell a little bit more about the journey of how you came to do the work you're doing. And one of the stories I love so much that's part of your journey is that experience that you had with Seth Godin. And so I wonder if you could, you know, relay that a little bit, because there's some important lessons for folks from what you did and what happened there with um, your opportunity to work with him. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, Seth and I worked together, trying to remember if it was 2017 or 2018. Um, Very short, you know, amazing opportunity, but but still the same. It was incredible. I was lucky to be in the first uh, cadre of the marketing seminar. Uh, Seth, he just he just actually opened up the tenth one, but I saw that Seth was, and I've been a Seth Godin fan for years. Started a new program called the Marketing Seminar. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea what it was going to be about, and I said, "I'm in." And what it ended up being was Seth Godin produced 50 videos over 100 days. Every other day, there would be a video that would come up. It has some insightful uh, thought process. And then he'd 
push you guys all into a, into a room together virtually and say, so what do you think? So you had to give your thoughts of what you thought. And, you know, there was 1,800 people on this discussion group. And there was about 100 of us that really, really participated. I mean, they just went all in, you know, which is typical for most things. If you look at social media, there's people that are, you know, the people that are all in that, you know, engage all the time and people that just hang back and that's fine. But what I didn't realize is they had stats. They had amazing stats. So they knew exactly who was posting, who was listening, who was responding, who was doing this. And I was just doing what I usually do because I learn by teaching others. You know, how I learn is I sit there going, okay, you know, let's figure this out together and having those real life online conversations. And I was downtown one day and my phone rings and I looked out at the call display and it says Seth Godin. And I went, all right, somebody spoofed the number, but I'm in. Okay, fine. And I'll pick it. And I, hello. And he says, hi, it's Seth. Hi, Seth. Yeah, well, I really wanted to say thank you for being part of the, the seminar. I went, okay, well, there's 1,800 of us. I mean, are, you, are you making 1,800 phone calls? He says, no, I'm talking to the people that really are been engaging with this thing. We're just about to launch the second uh, marketing seminar, and we're looking for people who can come in and be online administrators, just people that can sit there and help other people do it because – what we're going to do is we're going to take this, it was normally a six-month program, we're going to do it in, in uh, nine weeks or 12 weeks or something like that. So it's going to be accelerated. So we know we need to have some moderators in there to help drive people along and help them you know, get along. And you did such a really good job. We'd love to have you. And I said, yes. The best thing is he actually paid me to do this. Um, and we had a blast. You know, had an absolute blast. It was, you know, it was a one-time thing because – what he wants to do is he wants to get people from the previous marketing seminar to help people with the next one. So there's always a fresh voice and there's always someone fresh doing it. So I got one opportunity to do it, but it was incredible. And he was gracious enough to be on my podcast. Um, you know, I continue to learn with him, you know, every once in a while, there's stuff that goes back and forth, but he has just been, you know, he was very gracious and I think that that's probably the best way to put it is that he truly is looking to help other people succeed. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, you know, it was a short experience. We, we got to know each other over three to six months. Uh, you know, uh, probably never work for him again, but it was a great experience. Well, to me, there really were some cool lessons to extract from that. And I think a key one is being willing to engage when you're involved with a project or online, you know, sometimes people post and then they never show up again. Um, and that does, and then they wonder why they're not getting results. But I think the approach you took to get all in and participate and be of help, that being of service is a theme that I think runs through your writings and I'm guessing just the way you conduct your business with clients. Absolutely. So you know, I was I was lucky from a very early age. I mean, I'm talking from the time I was seven, eight, nine years old. My father was an entrepreneur, and he ran a commercial uh, renovation company. And his attitude was: from the time you're young, you're coming to work. 
You may be going to get coffee for the guys or cigarettes for the guys. Actually, when a nine-year-old could actually go into the local store and buy cigarettes for the guys, <laughs> it tells you about how old I am. Uh, but sweep up the job site, you know, clean up, all that kind of stuff. But his attitude was always really the other thing is you take care of the client. You always sit there and do whatever it takes. Nothing is beneath you. You know, mm-hmm. everything is something you, you succeed because other people succeed. And that's a lesson that I learned from my dad from a very, very young age. And, you know, it, through the hard times, through the difficult times, because he had built that trust, because he had built those relationships, because people knew that he would take care of them, mm-hmm. they took care of him. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned that very early on. Well, thinking about somebody like Seth Godin, if you had tried to cold call him or reach out to him, you wouldn't have gotten very far. But this whole idea, and you never had it in your mind to try to get in with him. It was the idea that you wanted to benefit from this program he was offering in participating. You learned it by teaching others. And I just think that's an important takeaway for everybody. How can I be of service to somebody before I ask for something. Exactly. I think that's just a really key lesson. Well, one of the things I want to tap into your brain about today is this whole thing of personal branding. I mean, you wrote a book on it and your book is really fabulous. I highly recommend it to folks that are trying to figure out, you know, how to create a personal brand. But in our conversation today, I want to first have you define what you mean by personal brand and why is it important for someone to do that? Well, the first thing I wanted to define is what it, the book was not for. It was not a book of, uh, for influencers. You know, it's not a look at me, look how wonderful I am, look how important I am. You know, uh, every, everybody follow me because of look, look how incredible I am. That's not what the book is about. The book was written, I, I, Every year I go up to the universities and I teach networking and interviewing skills to third year students. Hmm. You know, we have a blast. We, we put 200 kids in a room and we make them go through interview skills. We, you know, we, we put a whole bunch of professionals in the room and they have to approach us and they have to, you know, you know, be able to sit there and how do we, how do we communicate effectively? And we have a really good time doing it. But what I realized is the majority of these kids are really smart. They're really, you know, really smart kids, but they have no way of articulating who they are, what they do, why they do it, who they're valuable to, and why these people should care. And it frustrated me because I'm sitting there going, you know what? No one ever did this for me when I was a kid. No one ever, you know, taught me how to network. Mm-hmm. No one ever taught me how to interview properly. No one ever taught me how to, you know, understand what my wealth was and what my value was to others and be able to articulate it properly. So I went looking for a book. I said, there's got to be a book or there's got to be a seminar or something that I can recommend to these kids and say, look, here's, you know, here's something to look at. I couldn't find anything I liked and I got frustrated. And 45 days later, the first draft of the, of the book was written and, and it, it really flowed. It, it truly was like I wrote a whole bunch of chapter headings and then just went for it. Now it took six, another six or seven months before it became live because, you know, 
I had a whole bunch of people edit it and, you know, and, and you anguish over things and you move chapters around and you add and delete and I people know. say, what do you mean by this? And, you know, all the things that go along with writing a book, you get it. Yes. But the reason for the book was to get people to understand their value, you know, to understand who you are as a person what makes you different? What makes you unique? You know, you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly, and, and celebrate all of it. Mm-hmm. And realize that you know, your life should not be compared to somebody else's highlight reel online. And that's really the important thing. And, and, and to give people the skills that they need to be able to differentiate themselves in the marketplace. So with the book, I tell stories from my life, lessons that I learned, and at the end of each chapter, I ask a specific question and leave room for them to actually physically write down their own answers. So it's, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book to help people build a personal brand. That, and, and I'm hoping I'm defining what a personal brand is by that. It's, it's, it's who you are at the core you know, and allowing people to understand who they are at the core and be comfortable with it. So when they walk into a room, they're comfortable with who they are, mm-hmm. you know, and they can articulate it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why that book got created. Well, the other thing I liked about it was you had interviewed other folks from a mm-hmm. variety of industries and a variety of positions within industries about their own ideas around personal brand, why it was important. I think you had four questions. You asked each one of them. And so part of the book is sprinkling in their responses. And I'm curious if you could share what were some of the common threads that you noticed across answers related to establishing personal brand? Were there any? Yeah, I think the, the biggest personal thing about personal brand is understand who you are and who you're not, you know, it is probably, and it's almost more important to understand who you aren't than who you are. You know, Let's go deeper with that because yeah. a lot of times when you talk to folks in business, they'll say, well, this is good for everybody. Everybody needs this. And yet that really isn't, they may need it, but they don't want it. So how, why is that so important to talk about who you're not and who you're not for. Well, it, you know, it comes down to what we said at the beginning is, is, is to stop being a commodity and start being a brand worth loving. And whether that's a personal brand or whether that's a corporate brand, you know, and, and we work with both. But the only way that you become a brand worth loving is when you can differentiate yourself. And you can sit there and say, this is my lane. This is what I do well. This is my jam. This is what wakes me up in the morning. And this is what I'm talking about when I go to sleep. You know, this is, this is the things that just allow me to shine. And the rest of it is, you know, people are so focused on, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the other thing. So what? There are people out there that can. I, you don't want me painting your house. You don't want me pay, doing your taxes for you. You certainly don't want to hear me play the piano. I'll hire people to do all three of those things. And focus on what I'm really good at and the people that I serve that need what I have and say, you know what, I don't do this, but I really know somebody who that's their expertise. Let me introduce you to them and let them shine in that particular way. 
we don't need to know everything. We don't need to be able to do everything because it's impossible. So let's talk about some concrete examples of people yeah. that you've helped identify what is it about them that's unique so that my listeners will get a sense of what would someone that's a prospective ideal client of mine perceive as unique or valuable that they might be looking for? Well, let's, let's take this as from a corporate point of view, because I mean, I deal more with corporations than I do with personal. So two years ago, or was it last year, two years ago, I flew down, down to Texas to go see a client and we, you know, we're, we're talking and, you know, he says, you know, we're really, really good at bringing in clients. We're really good at bringing in clients, you know, bigger clients and, and more ex- exciting work and this, that, everything, but they leave. They're an SEO company, so they do search engine optimization. You know, and I looked at the work they did, and they do really, really good work. I said, so what's the disconnect? This is, well, you know, people just get frustrated with us. I said, do you know why they get frustrated with you? Why? Because you're having the engineers, the techni- technicians, talking to the end users. They don't speak each other's language. The technicians are really good at being technical. They're really good at doing the SEO. They're really good at, you know, the minutia of understanding how to move the needle and all that kind of stuff. They're lousy at explaining it to people that are not in the same headspace that they are. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the people that you're buying, who are buying your services get frustrated because they don't understand what's going on. You need a group of people that are customer experience people whose sole job it is not to sell the job, but to be the relationship managers after the, after the situation. So you have people that are out there selling, let them go out and sell. That's their jam. That's what they do really well. That's what they're really good at. Let them go. But they're, they're horrible at, at the, at the relationship manager. They're hunters. They're not, you know, they're not farmers. You've got the technical people that do the technical work, but what you're missing is a group of people that can translate between the techies and the customers and make sure everybody gets what they need, everybody understands what's going on and can understand what needs to change in order to make everything successful. And as soon as they put that process in place. They hired two, then three, then five, then 10, then 20 people to be in that position. You know, business skyrocketed because it was just something they were realizing. They were trying to get people that just didn't have the skill, that just didn't have the ability to do that thing, to do something that they're just not, either they didn't want to do or they're not capable of doing or whatever. It didn't make that these, you know, technicians were bad people. No. It just means that they weren't people people. Plus, they were having to do something that wasn't their strength. Absolutely. And that took away time from them doing what they really were good at. You got it. Mm-hmm. You got it. So you know, those are the type of things that we work with you know, a lot of companies on when we're dealing with their brand is to sit there and say, how do you, get the, how do you bring the right people in that complement each other? How do we how do we bring a variety of different personal brands together, whether it be a leader, whether it be, you know, an operations person, a salesperson, legal people, accounting, whatever, 
and make sure that all of these personalities and all these different wants, needs, desires, human traits, etc., are celebrated within the company. And you're not just a, a cog in the wheel. You're a person. Mm-hmm. You now, know. let's talk about how that then impacted the way they promoted themselves, the way they built their brand to the public for their salespeople. How are they positioning themselves differently? Well, what it it allowed the salespeople to do is to go out there and say, here's the process. Mm -hmm. Not only are you getting great SEO, but here's how we work as a company. You know, by the way, we, you know, I'm going to be your sales. I'm going to be there, you know, but, on your day-to-day operations, you're going to deal with Sally and Sally's going to deal with Bob and Alan and Steve who are going to be actually doing the technical work for you, you know, but I'm going to be the overall account manager. If you have any questions and you have you know, any concerns, give me a call, but your day-to-day, you know, minutia type stuff is going to be handled here. So it allowed for separation of tasks and it allowed for the customer to realize there's a team that they're being taken care of. It's not just one person. It's not this Mickey Mouse little company. It's not one or two people working out of a second bedroom doing SEO. There's actually a company here. So when you're, you know, if you're doing SEO for small organizations, small organizations like dealing with small organizations, but larger organizations with, you know, large budgets and large expectations, whatever, need to know that there's actually a company with process, procedure, and people there that, God forbid, if somebody leaves or somebody's sick or somebody dies or gets hit by a car, their entire, you know, their entire operation is not going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's how they were able to sell it. And, and because of that, they could go after larger and larger clients because they were selling the policies, the procedures, the people, the organization, and how you're handled seamlessly from person to person to person. Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking as I'm listening to you talk is really uh, for my listeners to get them to think about what is the experience like for your own clients? Absolutely. How you talk to them before you bring them on board, but then also once they're on board, what is that experience like? Well, we're in the experience economy. Yes. I mean, quite honestly, that's why people buy, you know, to be cheaper. I says, well, we're 10% cheaper than our competitors. Okay. But they take care of me. They answer my phone calls. They, you know, when I have questions, they're there. If there's something wrong, they fix it. Um, I'm willing to pay an extra 10%. Mm-hmm. You know, it, better, better to deal with somebody that they know that they're going to be taken care of. They know their trust. They trust the people they're working with. They know that everybody in the organization understands their company and is working with them as a partner. Mm-hmm. That's where we need to be. We need to be in the experience economy. And that comes from leadership internally. And it comes from purpose, vision, and culture that needs to be trained all your employees within your company to be able to provide that external customer experience to your customers. Because if you're not training your people, if they don't understand your mission, vision, values, your purpose, and your culture, and live it, you're never going to provide exceptional customer experience to, you, to those you want, wish to do business with. Well, that brings me to another question I wanted to delve into you because you're in favor of not having company executives or anyone in a company really spend time developing their mission statement and their vision and their values. Talk about 
why you feel so strongly about that and what you recommend them doing instead. Okay. There's nothing wrong with mission, vision, and values. The problem is nobody lives them. They're words on a page that people never live. You know, if you spun the average employee around three times, closed their eyes and told them to, you know, give me your mission statement, give me your vision statement, 99% of employees never could. You know, I've tried that with CEOs of companies and they fumble through it. I've, you know, sat with boards of directors and they fumbled through the statements and there's the ones that created it. Now, what I'd say instead is you need to have a brand story. The thing with stories is people remember stories. People internalize stories. They get an emotional attachment to stories because there's something within their psyche that hooks onto and therefore there's reach and recall. What we say is take that mission, vision, and value ideals and incorporate them into your story. Who were we at the very beginning? Why did we start this company? What was the purpose? What was the problem that we solved? Where are we today? What got us from there to here? What were the challenges along the way? What were the successes along the way? Who are the key clients that have got us to this point? How do we serve them? What value do we add to them? Why do they care? And by the way, where are we going as a company? And how do the people inside the company matter? And when every employee understands that story and they can internalize it, they can recall it, they can retell it in their own words, and everybody actually lives it. And it's part of meetings, it's part of communication, it's part of your culture, it's part of your purpose, then it becomes living. And then you start making decisions based on that story. The type of clients you work with and how you work with those clients is based on that story. How you onboard people is based on that story. How you promote people is based on that story. And how you work as an organization is, is built on that story. And therefore, by doing that, everybody within the organization is empowered to be able to succeed because if you have a company full of people that understand your, power, your, your story, you have a, people in your company that understand your story, they understand your purpose and you empower them. They can make decisions without having to check with you. And you know that they're going to do things in the company's best interest because it's also in their best interest. Mm -hmm. And that's how companies grow. I love the fact that number one, you focus on stories and you have, of course, behind you, what's your story. Um, but also this emotional connection I think is so key because I'm thinking of a brand new person coming into a company and they're, you know, handed the mission values or vision statement, but there's no emotional connection there. It doesn't resonate so much with them versus having this compelling story. So I'm curious thinking about, listeners who are business owners themselves, what would you suggest they do to craft a compelling story? What kind of questions do they need to ask themselves and answer so that they get to the point where, ah, that's, that's how I need to put my story together. So it draws the right people to me. Because yeah. that's the key too, right, Ben? You want to bring in the right people. Exactly. The story that you tell. And, and let me caveat this. This works if you're a business of one person or a business of 10,000 mm -hmm. or 100,000. 
You know, having the brand story doesn't matter if you're a, a company of one or a company of a hundred thousand. The, the the thought process is the same. The questions you need to ask yourself are what first of all, what are our values? You know, what are the things that brought us to the table? What problems do we solve? Who do we solve these problems for? Why do they care? And why do they keep coming back? You need to understand where you came from, where you are, where you're going. And if you can answer those questions, you can craft a story through that. And that story could be 30 seconds long, or that story could be 10 minutes long. And, it, and as you evolve and as you grow as a company, that story will evolve with you and it will expand and it will have girth and it will have weight to it based on where you came from. If you're a six month old company, your story's not going to be that long. You know, this it's, it's more of, this is why we started the company. This was the problem that we saw. This is how we thought that we could solve these for these people. This is, you know, this is why we add value to them. And this is where we see the company going. And it, the company, the story can be that simple. As you grow, you can talk about different customers, how different customers you know, are part of the company, how you solve different problems, how you, you know, the different challenges that you were in, the different you know, victories that you've had within the company. And it's, there's ways to embellish it to be able to build that folklore. It's, you know, it is. It's folklore of, of a company. It truly is. And that's why stories expand because the folklore just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden your customers start telling your story and your vendors start telling your story. And all of a sudden the myth propagates and you build a tribe of people that are as loyal to you because they're loyal to the people that, that your tribe is telling the story to because people attract people like them. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you realize that, forget who said, but it's, just, it's, the, it's, it's attracting the first hundred people and the first thousand people and then the first 10,000 people, but you're not going out there. Once you've got a hundred or a thousand loyal fans, they can turn around and, and you know, 10X that and 100X that mm -hmm. because of, of how they're talking about you when you're not in the room. Yes. And I was just thinking, I've worked with my two business partners for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And some of our clients have worked with us for more than 20 years. So when I make one of our statements about we are not transactional, we believe in long-term relationships. To be able to say some of our clients have worked with us 20 or 25 years, that solidifies that story. And, and that's powerful. That's, yeah. That is so powerful because they're sitting there going, okay, why would people deal with Meredith for 25 years? There's got to be something compelling there. There's got to be something that she's really, really good at, much better than anybody else that would cement that relationship for that long. And that's, you know, it's putting that hook in other people's minds mm -hmm. and then ask, getting them to figure out, okay, why? And, and if they can do this for somebody else for 25 years, what's the value they could add to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I want to pivot now because I want to spend a few minutes on your other book, which also I highly recommend leading beyond a crisis. It's so interesting. I know you recorded this last spring when COVID was just kind of kicking off, but it's so applicable to any kind of 
challenging situation. We're exactly. in one right now. But I like the way you and your co-author, and, and it's really a series of conversations that are mm-hmm. very profound. I think the, the style, the approach you took is, is very compelling. And um, I'm just curious, one of the chapters I really resonated with was this idea of building for the long term. And so that's interesting that we were just talking about long-term, but I was wondering what could my listeners do in the short term during COVID to prepare for the long-term changes that could become permanent um, with doing business post-COVID? What are some of the things you would recommend? The first thing I recommend to every company is to realize that we are going to go from crisis to celebratory to crisis to celebratory to crisis. You know, it, it, it's just for those of us who are a certain age, this isn't our first rodeo. It, it, is, abs- it is absolutely not our first rodeo. You know, I, I remember 2008. I actually started my company January 3rd, 2008. You know, if you can think of a, of a great time to start a co- company right in the middle of a financial crisis, thank you very much. You know, we remember the AIDS. We remember the, you know, the, the gas crisis that, you know, happened before that. There's always going to be crises. And what we need to realize is that adaptability and resiliency are the two things that are going to get us through any type of situation. Because... There's always going to be ups. There's always going to be downs in business. There's always going to be ups and there's always going to be downs in life. And the more we're sitting there going, okay, we need to take care of the here and now. You know, in, in March, businesses sent everybody home with a lick and a prayer, a Band-Aid and duct tape. They really did. We had no idea. We, you know, we were ill-prepared for it. We didn't have the technology in place. We didn't have the leadership skills in place. We didn't have the policies, you know, procedures in place. But we sent people home and most companies figured it out. You know, some better than others. You know, some didn't survive because they just, you know, refused to believe that the world is going to change. And they just said, if we just hunker down, we'll be okay. Because this will be over in a couple of weeks. You know, I'm just going to, you know, tuck my head between my legs and just wait for this to blow over. Well, guess what? It's not going to blow over. We need as businesses to sit there and keep one eye on the horizon and just be looking at the things like, okay, what is the technology? Who are the players? What are the situations that could be coming down the road that could disrupt our lives? You know, what are the things that could change how our business is done? And that means talking to customers. Like right now, more than anything, the first thing you should be doing is forget about new clients, talking to your existing clients and saying, how are you? How are you really? Like, how are you today? What are the things that have gone well? What are the things that haven't gone well? What are we doing for you right now that is still relevant? What are things that you are going to be needing moving forward? What are some things that we're doing for you that just no longer make sense? And how can we work together to fix it? And it's having that relationship, asking your vendors this question, asking your clients this question, asking your employees this question, and be able to sit there and say, let's work together and forget the us versus them mentality. It's, let's look at it as a partnership and a collaboration and saying, what can we be looking at? And what do you see out there mm-hmm. that could be that could be changing the world? You know, because your 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 clients are being pitched by a hundred different people. And they may be loyal to you today, but 
if all of a sudden somebody hits them with the right idea at the right time and you're unresponsive, then you're out and they're in. And the more you can keep in touch with your customers and say, look, what are you seeing out there in the marketplace? What are the challenges that you see coming down the thing? We say, we could fix that. We could work with you on that. Oh, you need some better terms. You need, you know, be more creative on our financing. We need, you know, you are constantly buying 10 pound bags, but five pound bags make a lot more sense for you right now. We can change our assembly line. Okay, you buy 100,000 bags a month. We could create a five pound bag. You know, that's, that's a doable thing. And be able to look at some different ways that you can be creative to be looking forward. So communication and listening and taking the ego out of things mm -hmm. and realizing that none of us have all the answers is a great way to, to be able to set ourselves up for success moving forward. That's terrific. Um, and I would, again, challenge my listeners to ask how many of your clients have you reached out to mm -hmm. in the last seven months and who could you make a list of say five people that you could contact to find out exactly what Ben's just suggested with those questions. That's, it's very powerful because it's showing you care and it's finding out again, circling back to being of service. How can I help you right now with what you're struggling with? Because it could help the person making that phone call to discover some untapped areas that they could be providing services or products to a client that they hadn't even thought of yet. Yeah. And if you're a large organization or you're dealing with large organizations, have different people talk to different people in the organization. Have your finance people talk to their finance people. Have your operations people talk to their operations people. Have Or have your operations people talk to their you know, shipping receiving people. Um, you know, have sales people, sales people, marketing people talking to marketing people. And be able to gather all those different viewpoints, CEO to CEO, you know, have those different you know, viewpoints and then bring all those people together and say, look, these are the different things that, different things that we've heard from this same client. You know, how do we make sense of all these things together mm -hmm. and be able to pr provide, provide them with something that's going to work? You know, the more insights, the more, you know, locations and the more, you know, the more conversations you have, the better off you can be within any, any particular account. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, um, let's wrap up with a question around your latest creative project, which is called Podcast Host for Hire. Right. I love that you've come up with this. And so please tell my audience what, what it is you do. What's this, yeah. your offering? The podcast host for hire is was something that was built out of pot, uh, out of out of COVID. It was an aha moment from one of my clients that said, "Geez, it'd be really nice if you would interview some of my clients and be able to get some insights for me, because you ask questions that I never do." You know, with twenty five or thirty years of sales and entrepreneurship and everything behind me, you know, I ask questions that a lot of people don't. And what the podcast host for hire program is is for companies in the probably the 60 to 70 million dollars and up range and we have smaller programs for smaller companies for them to get a done for you branded to you custom podcast and this is for companies that know they need a podcast that understand the value of it they understand the, the ability to have those conversations in a non-salesy way non-obtrusive way but they have they don't have the people in-house they don't have the talent to do it they don't even know where to begin 
we put the entire program together. We, you know, we help them with the creative, we produce it. I become the actual voice of the podcast for them and we help them with distribution. So we interview uh, strategic partners, vendors, clients, employees, and get a 360 degree view of your brand. And it allows someone to be asking questions of people in a way that you will never get the answers yourself because I'm just, I'm just a podcast host. You know, so I can ask things that you can't and get insights for you that you would probably never get yourself. So this is a way to be able to do this. And we have a, a full year, 50-week podcast. We have, for companies that want to start off with a 24 or 25-week podcast where we do it every other week. And then we do mini programs where we sit there and go, okay, we want to talk about a specific subject for 12 weeks and be able to explore that and be able to give you content. But the best thing about any of these programs is that every single week with every single episode, we'll create 30 pieces of curated, edited content for you that you can utilize throughout your social media platform. So every week you get, you know, Instagram posts, tweets, LinkedIn ads, audiograms, uh, a full, uh, a full transcript of the actual podcast itself and a show page that your people can turn around and send out across their different platforms. So if you've got 500 employees and each one grabs one or two of these things a month, and sends it out. That's a thousand, you know. That's a thousand pieces of content going out to ten thousand people, a hundred thousand people, a million people, depending on what you know what what their reach is like. And it's all on brand. It's all on message, and it's relevant and it's timely. So that's what it's the program's awesome. all about. I love. I just love that. And so, are you also um, spreading it across all the podcast platforms? As Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what we'll do is we'll make sure that a a podcast page is created. We'll create the RSS feed, and that gets sent out to iHeart's, you know, Spotify, Google, Apple, you name it. All the and, and we'll send it out to all the different podcast platforms. So that way you can say, yes, we're on 14 or 18 different you know, platforms. Now there's a couple of platforms that will take, you'll have to have 15 or 20 episodes before they'll accept you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, iHeart is one of those things. I believe iHeart, you need to have 15 or 20 episodes before they'll start looking at you because they want to see a pattern. Mm -hmm. But there are, you know, there's lots of, uh, of the platforms out there that will take you right away. And so we can, we can make sure that your message is out there. So that way, you know, when people, when your clients are in their bathrooms, when they're in their bedrooms, when they're out for a walk, when they're at the gym, when they're in their car, they're listening to your message in a way where they don't feel that they're being interrupted. Mm -hmm. well, you're adding value. Yes. And I just think that was a very creative um, idea on your part to come up with that kind of a service you've got such a wonderful voice for this and you understand the business side and uh, looking at all the different ways you help get it out there using the company's own employees to help promote it too i just think that's a wonderful um, business opportunity so if any of my listeners are interested in learning more about that service, Ben, but also getting your two books. How can they connect with you and learn more about your various services? Yeah, I've, I've put everything in one uh, repository. Everything is at yourbrandmarketing.com. My podcast is there. 
access to my books is there. The podcast host for hire is there. Leadership development, you know, training that we do is there. Uh, workshops and speaking operations is there. Everything is right there just for people to be able to sit there and say, okay, this is how we get a hold of Ben. So go to yourbrandmarketing.com. It'll push you out to my YouTube channel, my LinkedIn, my Twitter. If, if, you, if you're into Facebook, yes, I'm still on Facebook. God knows how long I will be. But yes, yes, we are still on Facebook. Great. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being my guest today. It was such a pleasure to kind of delve into, really, we were just on the surface of so much of the great content that you've included in both of your books. So I, again, want to encourage my listeners to check out both of your books as well as this new service and really all of your offerings. You're just a gem. And I appreciate all the wonderful work you're doing in this world to really help companies thrive and the people in them thrive too. Oh, you're very welcome. And if people go to my website, there's a free chapter of both books under the publication section. So if you go to publications, you can download a free chapter of either one of my books and, you know, try before you buy. That's great. Thank you, Ben. Thanks a lot, Meredith. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.